Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. Ken loves talking about cars and automotive trends. And here he is, the automotive host with the most, Ken Chester. Welcome to another information-packed hour of Roadworthy Drive. I'm indeed your host for the hour, Ken Chester. If you're a first-time listener, let me introduce myself. I'm a nationally syndicated automotive journalist, experienced automotive photographer, and yes, even a talk show host. I've been in and around the automotive industry for over 40 years. And you, my fellow listener, get the benefit of my experience and insights each and every time you tune in. I'm so glad you're here for the hour because we have plenty to talk about. In breaking news, a European automaker plans a return to the U.S. marketplace and a domestic automaker is not for sale. For now, uh, later in the hour, I plan to introduce you to Jarvis and why he wants to friend your autonomous car. Coming up after that, I'm going to bring you up to date about the auto industry's comeback kid, who also happens to be the world's largest car company. Yes, I will explain. And finally, this is for my executive producer, why you should be aware of TechLash. And yeah, it's a thing. Even the Roadworthy Drive Studios, and we will explore. For those of you that want to jump into the thick of the conversation, call or text me on the Roadworthy Drive line. That number, 872-222-9793. That number is good anytime. If email is your thing, my address is ken at roadworthydrive.com. In either case, I want to hear from you. Now, the show is dead in the water without the capable talents and steady hands of my good friend and Roadworthy Drive executive producer, Jack DeLeon. Hey there, Jack. Hi, Ken. How are you? Not too bad. You know, um, I actually planned parts of this show with you in mind this I, week. I kind of got that from our pre-production meeting. Yeah. So, uh, you know, just stay tuned because I got something for you. I got something for Sasha. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I just wanted to share because well, I, I thought there would be segments that would appeal to you guys in particular for specific reasons. Well, yeah, and I'm really interested in hearing about this tech lash thing. But anyway, let's move on. Um, what European automaker wants to jump back into the U.S. market? Well, and before you answer that, yes. When were they here the last time? Okay. Well, let me. I was going to cover all that. But okay. Let me let me take you back. Uh, the nameplate is Peugeot. They're part of the PSA group who happened to have bought uh, GM's European businesses in uh, Germany and in England Okay, last year. All right. Uh, if you want to go back to the 70s, they also bought uh, Chrysler Europe. Oh. Yeah. Uh, that didn't turn out so well. Yeah, it didn't. The company started selling vehicles in the United States in 1958 and uh, gave up around 1991. Now, the funny thing is, I remember Peugeot cars. I remember the 504 and the 505, and I actually test drove in the late 80s the Peugeot 405, which I kind of liked. But uh, they said it never caught on, that the, basically that the uh, Japanese were cleaning their clock, and uh, sales just fell off a cliff. Part of that problem, though, who do you think was distributing their cars like in Canada? I have no idea. Chrysler. Really? Mm-hmm. 
doing so well. And, you know, the, and they just threw in a towel. Uh, now, here's the thing. Did you know that PSA is already offering doing business in the United States right now, even though they don't have a single dealership? Okay. How are they doing business here? They are offering ride services through, uh, through their brand called Free to Move. Free, the number two, Move brand using other companies' cars. Okay. They're in the country right now. And they're coming. They want to come. Uh, what their whole thing is, is they want to use, leverage the assets of GM's Adam Opal that they bought to design cars that would be um, more in line with American tastes. So since Adam Opal builds some of the Buicks, namely the Buick Cascada, they still build, uh, the Buick Regal, the Regal X, and the Regal uh, Sport Wagon mm -hmm. um, are still built under contract now from PSA through the Adam Opal subsidiary that's currently in the Buick lineup. So they have some experience doing that. Okay. And are they going to bring their nameplate over, dealer, get a dealer network going? And they, well, that's what they're looking at doing. But with things changing and technology changing, Tesla showing us how to do it without dealerships necessity, you know, as a necessity in years past, we'll see how it happens. They're looking at also offering electric cars across the board in everything they sell by 2025 wow. as an option. Well, and that's, and that's coming up really, really close to uh, yeah. Eight seven less, years. Yep, absolutely. We're seven years away from them having all electric cars. But let me throw this at you. All right. In 12 years, they expect 80% of their vehicles, PSA's vehicles, uh, will offer the ability to pilot themselves under limited conditions, and 10% will be available of completely autonomous driving by 2030. Now, to me, this seems like they're coming up behind. So we'll see. Mm -hmm. if the way things are going, it seems like they're going to be lagging there. Yeah. But this thing, this thing we'll see. Now, we've actually talked about PSA and Peugeot in their ride to their free-to-move uh, service mm -hmm. uh, in past shows. But now they're looking at backing it up and coming into the United States. But it should be interesting because building a dealer body takes time and parts support and signing up dealers and all of that takes time. But they've actually been, they've actually been looking at coming back to the U.S. market even before they bought Adam Opal from GM. They were looking at, at making plans to come back here as early as uh, 2014. Okay, so now what are they, are they? Are you saying it's this year or next year? Twenty nineteen. So in twenty nineteen, Peugeot is going to be back. In well, that's their target. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I think we're going to. I mean, see that that's that's kind of how that works. Now I realize this next piece, Ken, is for Sasha. It totally is. Um, I only have one question. Yes, sir. What were they thinking? Well, actually, here's what they're thinking. Okay, and I, I disagree. Now, right now. The head of Fiat Chrysler saying, we're not selling any part of the company. We're going to keep it all. We're going to stay whole. And we're going to continue on. Um, How? Um, How? There's some issues to that. Yeah. Because what we'll actually be talking about in our next show is the Chinese company. They're helping get a foothold in the United States. Mm -hmm. That Chinese company has been working with Honda and Toyota building cars for them in China for years. That particular company has one of the top quality companies in the, in the Chinese auto industry. Okay. But anyway, here's the thing. 
They're saying they have no intentions of breaking up Fiat Chrysler, uh, adding the group was counting on its Jeep brand to drive future profits. Um, I think the day of reckoning is coming. I, he may not say that now, but he's also the current chairman set to retire next year. And I'm not convinced that the next person who holds that job will have the same th- have the same thought. Well, and what my question is going to be, at some point in time, you've got to think the board of directors is going to step in and go, uh, wait a minute. Here, my point is very simple. Right now, their stock's never been higher. And if you're going to sell and you're really looking at stockholders, you sell when it's high. Mm-hmm. I've got a whole list of things that tell me they're going to need some help. For example, no entry vehicles. Renegade is the only like CUV they've got, and it's not the strongest competitor in the shack that they have. Ram doesn't have a mid-sized truck. Ford's bringing Ranger back. GM's killing it with their twins. Toyota's been killing it. Nissan's been killing it. Um, the Jeep pickup that is coming, niche product. You're not going to sell 200,000 of these. You might sell 50,000 or 25,000. It'd be a great add-on for a Jeep, but it's not going to be the runaway you know, volume leader that they're going to need. Chrysler, Dodge, and Fiat as, a, as brands need product. They don't have it. And what they've got is showing its age across the board. Loan, the loan difference would be the Durango, which is pretty sharp. Other than that, eh, not so much. They're lagging in autonomous investment. They're lagging in battery electric investment. And if I may, he said one thing that I'm going to prove wrong pretty soon, <laughs> is that the chairman said electric vehicles will eventually form a large part of vehicle lineups, but it's a lot further off than people think in part because they're not profitable for automakers. Direct quote. Okay, so, I, so direct, apparently he is not listening to our show. Direct quote. He's not listening to anybody. I don't know a guy, a person, or entity, or economic organization that is making money out of selling electric vehicles unless you're selling them at the very high end, which is rare. That's what he said in this show. And put a pin in that. Because when I come back, put a pin in that. Because I'm going to show you an automaker later on in the show that's going to make money dollar one, car one, electric vehicle. And I'm going to let that kind of percolate a little bit for, an, for a moment. Next up, meet Jarvis, a self-driving car's best friend. And then after that, the comeback kid of the auto industry. You are listening to Roadworthy Drive. You're listening to Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester on the Roadworthy Drive Radio Network. People ask me, Arnie, is that old tractor you drove in the Pennzoil commercial still running? Still running? We use it here at Latrobe every day. And with Pennzoil protecting the engine, there are a lot more miles left in it. You know, this old tractor and I are a lot alike. We're both still using Pennzoil, and we're both still running. Gas-saving Pennzoil. Quality in every extra mile. If you're just tuning in, this is segment number two of This Hour of Roadworthy Drive. I'm Ken Chester. As the self-driving technology evolves, hundreds of companies and billions of dollars have been spent and invested. 
The range of participants range from individuals and random startups to traditional companies in the automotive space. It's also been a great opportunity for companies to remake themselves into something else. Now, I'm doing this because Sasha loved, she had one of these. And yes, I'm messing with you. Uh huh. Uh huh. Consider the Canadian smartphone company BlackBerry. BlackBerry! BlackBerry. Once upon a time before Steve Jobs and the iPhone, Ugh. it was the must have communication device. It was such a part of corporate and personal life that some people even gave them the nickname of Crackberry because of their addictive nature. Mm hmm. Yep. Just saying. I loved my BlackBerry. I know you did. But technology waits for no one, and with the evolution of the smartphone coupled with company missteps, BlackBerry was going the way of the buggy whip. Down but not out. The company has not only remade itself as a software company, and for the record, Sasha, they don't make hardware anymore. Nope. Uh, they actually contract that out for the few devices that they still do put the name on. Which I tried to get this year, but I can't. Yeah. But they are hot in competition in the cybersecurity aspects of the self-driving vehicle space. Well, they were known early on. BlackBerry was known for its software. That's one of the reasons why their phones were so popular. Actually, BlackBerry was known for one specific thing. You remember what it was? It's their security. Security. Yeah. They had security that was so robust, even the Department of Defense used BlackBerry. Yep. Yep. Because that was their thing. Their security was beyond bulletproof and beyond reproach. You never heard of anybody uh, hacking a BlackBerry. Nope. Even to this day. Not a soul. Now, BlackBerry was smart enough to realize and boil it down that that was the crown jewel. That was their thing. So in remaking themselves into a, a software company, they didn't just stop there. They said, you know what? There's an opportunity over here in the automotive space where we can bring security to the whole autonomous architecture. So amid fears of car hackings and other cybersecurity worries, BlackBerry has launched new software. They call it Jarvis, which identifies vulnerabilities in programs used in self-driving cars. Yes, sir. I thought I'd let that settle. Yeah. The product is a pay-as-you-go cloud-based service, and it's already been tested, believe it or not, with Jaguar Land Rover. Really? I did not know about mm -hmm. that. I didn't know Jag owned Land Rover. Oh, yeah, and they're both owned by an Indian company called Tata Motors. Okay. Okay. See, hang with me. I just, I just remember when Land Rover was owned by Ford. Yep. Yeah. You're about seven or eight years That's kind of like with me still trying to say diamond. Daimler Chrysler. Yeah. yeah. Fiat Chrysler LLC. Thank you. <laughs> um, they said that in reviewing and going through the code, yep. they said it reduced the time needed to assess code from 30 days to seven minutes. Wow. Wow. That is incredible. They are first marketing this to automakers, which makes sense. Right. A group of customers they're hoping will power its turnaround efforts, but could also, check this out, have applications in healthcare mm -hmm. and in industrial automation. Well, and let's face one thing everybody right now seems to be getting hacked. Yeah, it I was seems just about that to say, way. With, yeah, because they just had another big one that hit like a hospital records and stuff. Yep. So. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. The beautiful part about this 
is BlackBerry wants to become part of the architecture. And if they become part of the architecture, then they become part of the foundation upon which everything else is built. Which is a good, that's a bold move for a company to be in, considering where we're going. But considering their reputation for rock-solid security security software Mm -hmm. and their ability not only to offer security software, but security software that will review the thousands, if not millions, lines of code to make sure there's no malware in there. Right. Yep. You know, what could this thing actually be worth? Well, and not only that, but we all go back to how I've been for the last year on this show. Mm-hmm. And that is, I am the guy who is skeptical of this whole darn thing, wondering how hack-proof is this going to be? Right. As a matter of fact, last year, the global ransomware attack, the one dubbed WannaCry, helped raise awareness of BlackBerry's security software business, which is largely focused on managing secure connections to mobile devices. So if you think about it with, uh, with Wi-Fi in vehicles, right. uh, connection, the ability to connect to the Internet in a vehicle, mm-hmm. uh, it would help just in that aspect to have their protection, not to mention the actual self-driving uh, logic in the vehicle itself, mm-hmm. which is typically available to be updated over the air. Well, to have it protected. And that brings up a point that I have. Mm-hmm. You know, at some point in time, you got to wonder, how are these over-the-air updates going to get done so that, that they are basically going to be hack-proof? Uh, one word, two syllables, BlackBerry. Blackberry. Okay. Uh, in fact, BlackBerry announced this past September it would partner with auto supplier Delphi Automotive PLC. Yeah, Delphi, formerly GM. Yep. Yeah. On software on a software operating system for self-driving cars. Not only are they offering the protection, they're going to incorporate it into the ver- the software architecture itself. Consider it self-healing code. And my guess is you're probably going to need something like this. Oh, absolutely. Because remember, we talked about this over a year ago that the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration's document. October 2016, talked about not if you get hacked, but when you get hacked, and talked about layers of protection, layers of defense, so that you might get in, but you won't get through. Well, and I think it's great that BlackBerry is actually, it's a subscription for the consumer. Well, no, they haven't gone that far yet. Not yet. No. Right now, they're just marketing to the automotive manufacturers in fact so that way it would be ingrained in the actual product that consumers would eventually buy there you go but they didn't stop there they've actually even gone into deals with chip maker qualcomm and another automotive supplier denso and wait for it the ford motor company wow they ain't playing people they even got a deal with uh chinese company baidu who's got an open platform uh autonomous vehicle uh, architecture. Okay. All right. And they're running at full steam. So BlackBerry's not playing, and he ain't dead yet, folks. When we come back, uh, the comeback kid. And then for the final segment, beware of Tech Lash. This is Roadworthy Drive. This is Roadworthy Drive. 
This is the third segment of this hour of Roadworthy Drive. I'm Ken Chester. Thank you for tuning in. If you haven't checked out our completely redesigned website yet, why not? It's beautiful. Roadworthydrive.com is the place to watch videos of our behind-the-scenes antics, listen to audio clips of past shows, and much more. You can also discover where around the country you can tune in to both Roadworthy Drive and our short-format program, the Roadworthy Drive Minute. You can also discover where and what we're doing across the social media universe. Our very own Sasha keeps things light and lively between, show, between shows during the week with her regular postings. See how she keeps the social in our social media. You will be glad you did. Over the last two years, I've been reporting on the trials and tribulations of Volkswagen. Remember no. that? No. Yes. Through their Dieselgate scandal that broke in the fall of 2015 up till now. After billions of dollars getting spent, thousands of vehicles repurchased by the automaker, and lawsuits from uh, dealers, owners, governments, who knows, from all around the world, here's a couple interesting facts for you. Okay. Number one, Volkswagen is currently the world's largest automaker in sales. What? I did not know that. Even yes. with all of the, the diesel and the... They outsold Toyota... Roughly about 10.7 million cars last year. Now, do you have any insight as to why that is? Like, I mean, for me, reliability, Toyota right now. Toyota across the board. Always has been. Right. But remember, Volkswagen is not a major player in the United States, even though they have a factory here in Chattanooga. Right. But they are and have been for some time a player around the world. Yep. And... A lot of people are still brand loyal. If this is what you've been driving, this is what you know, this is what you keep driving. Yeah. Because but- remember, the diesel gate was not that whether the car ran or not. It was a pollution issue that they beat the pollution control systems. Right. Not that the car didn't run or was unsafe to drive. Okay, but here is my thing, though. In order for them to outsell Toyota, that means that some people that might have been brand loyal to someone else decided to give Volkswagen a try. Well, bear in mind, Volkswagen's been large for a long time as they've been large. Right. And and hold that thought because we're gonna. Eat, I'm actually going to tell you sales even grew in the United States. Okay. But remember, brand new sport utility vehicle, mm-hmm. the Atlas. Made in Chattanooga. Yep. Largest thing they build. Yeah. Redesigned Tiguan, which now has a third seat. Yep. Completely redesigned. So they opened up the market to people that were... They offered more choice. Right. Okay. But even still, uh, in the United States, they only sell about 340,000 vehicles. Oh. As opposed to, did I mention 10.7 million around the world? Last year, U.S. sales rose for the first time in five years to just under 340000 Das Auto. Yeah, just saying. However, the comeback kid. But I left out number two. Volkswagen is poised to be a major player in the battery electric product and infrastructure space in the United States. $2 billion. We reported on that, too. That was part of the settlement, correct? And they're spending money in growing, building infrastructure, and bringing vehicles to market. Remember I said a a couple of segments back, we were talking about Fiat Chrysler. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I want you to put a pin in that because I'm going to get there 
but it's Volkswagen who's going to prove that man not to be true. Here's something you probably didn't know. And, Sasha, this answers your question. Mm -hmm. The company that Volkswagen is part of has 12 automotive brands, including Porsche, Scandia, heavy-duty trucks, and Ducati motorbikes. Oh. Audi is part of that. And they're coming out. Uh, and oh, by the way, Audi generates most of the profits for the whole company. <laughs> yeah. They're going to roll out an all electric model dubbed e-tron here in the next year. Audi is? Yes. Wow. But I'm not done yet. Um, take a guess at their largest, their best seller in the United States. Under Audi or under Volkswagen? Volkswagen. Uh, Atlas? No. Either either Tiguan or the car. Well, they make the several Jetta. cars. Either the Jetta? They make Passat and they make Jetta. They make the GTI. Uh, Take a guess. I would have to say, like with Jack, I was going to say the, the one that they just put in the, the Tiscan. Was that? No. No, the Atlas. No, what the was the other one? Tigua. Uh, t- yeah, Tigua. Either the Tigua or the Passat. What is it? The Jetta. Really? Really. I always Best thought the Jetta was selling like the forgotten vehicle. stepchild. Uh, actually, Jetta <laughs> saved Volkswagen in the United States 20 years ago. Volkswagen was having such a rough time in the 90s, mm-hmm. they almost pulled out of the American market. Oh, wow. Then came the 1997 Volkswagen Jetta. Turned the whole thing around from there. I'll never forget that car. Are they still making the bug? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, yes, they are. Okay. In fact, had one six weeks ago. Yeah. Volkswagen Dune, uh, Beetle Dune. Yes, they still make it. Okay. Uh, but not in the traditional sense. It's based on the Jetta with an engine in the front and room in the back, mm-hmm. unlike the air-cooled original Beetle. Right. Okay. Now, Volkswagen didn't sit on its laurels. They're bringing out a brand new 2019 Volkswagen Jetta that they introduced in Detroit. That they're Detroit? Did, the Detroit Auto Show. Did that get introduced this week? Uh, at Detroit it did. Okay. Uh, may I add that the Jetta is one of the world's most successful sedans with more than 17 million models sold worldwide since it was introduced in 1979. More than 3.2 million of those had been sold in the United States. Wow. They're moving it to that platform that they're going to issue their electric car from, the MQB platform. And here is the point that I want to make. Because it was, I, when I read it, it blew my mind. Other than the fact that the new Jetta with more equipment is $100 cheaper than the 2018 Jetta. What? Yep. And, but I'm not done. Bear in mind, in this truck crazy, SUV crazy world, they're launching a brand new car. 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 Yeah. Somebody. Car. It kinda, Hello out there. Kind of looks like the Dodge Dart. Oh, don't do that. It does. That's not nice. I'm just saying. That's not nice. <laughs> now, get this. that Their new modular platform called the MEB is designed to underpin more than 20 purely battery-powered brand models. And I quote. You need to listen to this quote. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's standing up again. I, I quote. This is from the head of Volkswagen. We'll allow it to turn profits on EVs when they launch in 2019, in part because they share parts with other cars built from that platform. Drop the mic. 
Fake Mike. Fake Mike. Thank you. <laughs> it's okay, Jack. Fake Mike. <laughs> All I'm saying is these are not cars that are going for $30,000. No. These are not cars that are going. You could probably own one of these for less than twenty-five. That is crazy. Uh, I'm going to read it again. Go ahead. We'll allow it to turn profits on EVs when they launch in 2019. Wow. Yeah. Okay, folks. Uh, when we come back, beware of the tech lash. You're riding shotgun with Ken and Roadworthy Drive. This is Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. Welcome to the fourth and final segment of this hour of Roadworthy Drive. I'm your host, Ken Chester. Tech lash. <laughs> yeah, it's a thing. What it means is a backlash against technology. These days, almost any kind of technology. So here's the question. Are, are you pro-tech or are you anti-tech? Pro-tech. Pro. Jack, really? No, I am. Come on, Jack. I am. I mean, and in, in the radio business today... You have to be pro-tech. Okay. Or you get left behind. Okay. Well, let's expand that a little bit. How about, okay, let's walk outside the studio for a minute. Okay. Consumer tech. Depends upon the product. Ah. Give me an example of a pro-tech product, consumer-based, that you you like. Uh, Right now, I have my eyes on the Samsung Note 8. Note 8. Is that any good, Sasha? I have parted ways with the ways of Samsung. So. Oh, my. Okay. Well, and, I'm going to leave that alone. Well, and she has. But I also know in the it Sounds business, like it was not a good breakup. In, in the it's businesses not. that I am in, okay, I understand. And it's got technology that I can use, i.e., I can go get a – I can literally get a, a house plan on my phone. Mm-hmm. I can go in. I can make the changes on that Note 8 and ship it back to whoever I need to, need to ship it to. The oh. only thing that I could say that the Note 8 has over my dream cell phone is I really like that little pin. I would really Oh, the stylus, love, yeah. Yeah, I love, and it's not only the stylus, because you can get a stylus for any phone, but it's the fact that it fits right there in the corner, yep. and then you just pop it right in. Yep. I, it's an ingenious thing, and it's the only thing that I like about the 8. Well, you know, I, I, this is almost too easy. <laughs> well, but he, <laughs> it really is almost too but easy. Hang, hang on. I will say this. Say it. I have a little disagreement with the term tech lash. Okay. Here's, here's, my under, here's my thing. When I'm reading all the tech stuff that you send me or Sasha sends me and the rest of it, it gets to the point where I go, tilt! <laughs> but exactly. <laughs> yeah. uh, what the, US chamber, the president and CEO of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce recently said, he warned of the consequences of the strengthening, he calls it tech lash, the backlash against major tech companies is gaining strength both at home and abroad, amongst consumers and governments alike. And he runs down a list of things, uh, a list of facts. We'll see if you agree with me okay, or agree with him. We will use more digital technology tomorrow than we are using today. Yep. Yep. Technology writ large is way ahead of any policy or law that might govern it. Yep. Yep. Societal norms and mores cannot keep up with our technological process. Progress. Oh, oh you mean us talking to each other? Uh, I think a little bit more than even that. Okay. 
Uh, let me read that again. Societal norms and mores cannot keep up with our technological progress. Yes. Social media addiction yep. is real. Yeah. Social media empowered tribalism cannot be controlled. Yep. Absolutely. And here's the thing. You have granted a small number of very large companies permission to transform data that you willingly provide them in the wealth. And they're doing it with exponentially increasing efficiency. And that's the thing that I constantly, 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 constantly trying to warn people about when data farming became a thing. And it became a thing that they actually acknowledged that they were doing. All of these platforms, you know, via your tech service that you use on your cell phone, um, your social media platform, anything that you put out there. Let me give you a little um, relativity lesson with tech and information. It took modern humans 40,000 years to advance from cave paintings to written words. We've had control of iron for about 3,500 years. We've been industrialized for about 250 on December 17, 1903, the Wright brothers proved a heavier-than-air vehicle could fly. We landed on the moon July 20, 1969. That's a lot of technical advances in 65 years, 7 months, 3 days. Now, here's the bombshell. According to IBM, 90% of all the data ever created by humans was created in the last 24 months. Wow. That is crazy. Mm-hmm. Technology is happening faster than most people ever imagined, and it's clearly happening faster than society is able to deal with it. Now, I'm going to skip around, um, and I'll start with this heading. You'll love this. For the love of God, <laughs> don't play chicken with the self-driving cars. I am holding... A DMV accident report filed by Cruise Automation of General Motors. Okay. Okay. Where, and I'm going to read it, and this is real. This is a cruise autonomous vehicle operating in autonomous mode was involved in a collision while making a right-hand turn from northbound Valencia Street onto 16th Street. The cruise AV was stopped at a green light in between the crosswalks of Valencia Street and 16th Street, waiting for pedestrians to cross 16th Street. A different pedestrian from the southwest corner of Valencia and 16th ran across Valencia Street against the do not walk symbol, shouting and struck the left side of the cruise AV's rear bumper and hatch with his entire body. That left a mark. There were no injuries, but the cruise AV sustained some damage to its right rear light. This person actually ran up and hit the car on purpose. What, to like protest? What are you talking about, Willis? California. <laughs> uh, Nina, uh, that explains it. Nina, uh, what was they hoping to gain is my I question. I think they were making a statement about them versus getting some sort of control or registering a complaint or something against the autonomous car. You know, man versus machine kind of stuff. Yeah, but I mean, what if you're running to go hit a vehicle even if a person had been in the driver's seat you're running up to hit my vehicle i'm not going to move my vehicle oh the car was in traffic 
Right. I mean, so what did he expect would be the difference between a human behind the well, wheel? But, but again, but you're but missing the point. His motivation may have just simply been, I don't like this technology. I'm going to do everything I can to poo-poo it. And he thought this was the way to do it. To one car. One car. Okay, then. Hey, person wanted to register their dissatisfaction. Uh, I've actually had the California DMV report of accident, traffic accident involving an autonomous vehicle form. It's actually a form. I want to see that when we're done. Yep. And, yeah, person signed by the associate director of AV Engineering. And it happened uh, not even less than two weeks ago. Wow. Yeah. Basically, don't play chicken with the self-driving cars. And that's not all. I mean, my God. You know, we don't know if people are going to do this crazy stuff, but, you know, people are going to try to beat the system. They always did. Well, we've come to the end of another hour. Be sure to tune in again next week at this time at this place on the radio dial. On behalf of the Roadworthy Drive team, thanks for listening. This has been Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester is a copyrighted presentation of the Roadworthy Drive Radio Network. Any rebroadcast, retransmission, or any other use is prohibited without the written consent of the Motor News Media Corporation.